I just recently had a clan member on my guest show, and there we talked about extremism, and I think it's very, very helpful because it helps us understand what the January 6th committee is really all about. As that committee comes to a close, and we cannot wait for the sequel to come out, we ask ourselves, since there actually were no criminal findings and are no criminal findings with this committee, what is the committee really all about then at the end of the day? We'll talk about that and more today on IndieThinker. Don't forget that this episode is sponsored by our friends over at Element Home Loans. If you're looking for a new home or want to refinance your home, or you just want to secure your family's future by investing in real estate, then you need to go over to our friends over at Element Home Loans by going to kevinblairteam.com today. And when you do so, let them know that Andy Thinker sent you. Welcome free and independent thinkers. Thank you for joining the show today. And more important, thank you for joining the revolution because those tyrants out there who wish to suppress information and wish to call it misinformation, something that is not misinformation for the purposes of misinforming people, those people out there don't want you thinking for yourself. So I'm thankful that you took the time to join the show today so that you could be a little bit more informed or at least hear a perspective that won't come directly from a apparatus that is co-founded or at least collaborated upon by the mainstream media and a political class. So nonetheless, I appreciate you taking the time to watch today. And if you want to go the next step with us, I want to encourage you. We give free resources and lots of great information out on our weekly newsletter. So you need to sign up for that. You can do that by going to indiethinker.org after the show, and you can sign up for our newsletter. Just scroll down a little bit, and then you'll see where you can do that. Not only do we release, uh, try to release weekly newsletters, but also very often we'll release some some great free resources, books, and that kind of thing that you guys can access, uh, and even films from time to time that I think you will enjoy. So please take a moment, go to anythinker.org, sign up for that thing, and then if you haven't, what are you waiting for? Join the resistance. Go to our YouTube channel if you're listening, and if you're watching, you need to have already subscribed, liked this video, and then shared it with friends. I hope you do do. I hope you do do that. All right. So today, I'm hearkening back into a recent guest episode that I had with Chris Buckley. Uh, he is a former Klan member. And now he helps people in an organization called Parents for Peace. He tries to help people who are trapped in extremist groups, who have fallen victim to radicalization. He tries to help families and those people who are um, who are in those uh, in those situations to to come out of those things, to find hope and a silver lining in the midst of them. So he's a great guy. I had some really great things to say. Perhaps one of the most I guess one of the favorite moments for me, and perhaps one of the most important moments of the night, is where we talk about extremism and make sure that we understand that we need to develop a definition of extremism that can also be used for the left and not just for the right. Because we're hearing so very often right now that extremism is something that only happens in white supremacist groups or only happens on January 6th, but but doesn't happen on the other side of the aisle, right? They're very quick to make sure that when people who are indoctrinating school kids into leftist gender ideology and 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 the, the panoply of other things that you could bring up, uh, that those people aren't extremists. No, the real extremists are only on the right. Now, I want to get into that. But first, here's the definition of extremism that we want to try to operate with. And so I submit it to you for your approval. So here it is. 
Because I think that we need to have a definition of extremism that includes both the left and the right. That, that includes mm-hmm. um, uh, any radical ideology wherever it may find itself. So I just toyed around with this is my own little personal definition that I came up with today. So give me some grace here. But um, I think extremism looks like an agenda in search for an idea that is willing to pervert the idea for the sake of the agenda. Now, let me give you a little bit of a deeper explanation so that it makes sense. So in the Christian worldview where I come from, what this looks like perhaps is what we call isogesis. That means when we read the Bible, we look into the Bible and we make it say whatever we want it to say. This is what the Ku Klux Klan does, right. for instance, in terms of like passages about black people and such. But, but that's eisegesis. And so the correct way to read the Bible exegesis. is exegesis from outside of the scripture. Yeah. Or sorry, from, from the scripture to you rather than you taking your interpretation and placing it on Reading the Reading the passages above it and below it to get a full... So they got it in context, all that yeah. stuff. And so the idea is that... When you ha- do eisegesis, what you have is an agenda that you bring to the table, and it infuses everything that you're doing. And to me, that's what extremism looks like, is it's an agenda that's constantly in search of an idea, and it will pervert any idea to match the agenda. Absolutely. I can get behind that 100%. Uh, for example, like we have at Parents for Peace, where I work, we have the first non-government-funded helpline. So mm-hmm. it's not affiliated with the U.S. government at all, where families can call and gain resources, get some guidance, and we can actually work one-on-one with the person in question uh, that's getting involved in extremism. And I can tell what state somebody's calling from based on their complaint. (laughs) So my son, my son has, he has a Trump flag. And I'm like, oh, it's not illegal to be a conservative. Like, I mean, my neighbor has a Biden flag. Like, it's it's okay like you can't just label somebody extremism like because it's such a like it's a harmful word mm-hmm. right like it's a very harmful word to throw around at somebody same as sexist same as homophobic like the people that are labeling people as homophobic and sexist today have no idea what it is yeah right it's like you said it's a narrative to fit an agenda to pervert a cause like the real sexist wouldn't allow women to have jobs. And, like, I mean, we still have a long way to go in women's rights, right? Sure. But, like, I think that, like, the real, like, to he, like, I've heard people call people I know a racist and not know my background. And I'm like, go on. Like, come on. Tell me about what racism is. Well, racism is, and I'm like, are you a racist? Why, no, I was. So you're telling me what my like my forte was right mm-hmm. like go ahead and explain it to you. i had a kid on a ball team the other day and i was like we were playing 18 outs i walk up to hand him the ball and i was like all right start he goes i know how to do it <laughs> excuse me you know how to okay tell me how you do it well i kind of know how to do it. no coach play the game and don't mess up and like he was very on the spot so like when you do that to people and you call them out and you're like no wait a minute Let's talk about what you think, because the words you're using doesn't mean what I think you think it means, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, let's work through this, because it's our job to send people away less ignorant than they came to us. And if we're not doing that, then we're actually becoming a little more ignorant ourselves. Now, this is an idea that I'd been chewing on for a long, long time. This idea about eisegesis and exegesis is just a, hopefully a helpful kind of example for what 
really is what extremism is all about, which is just an agenda item in search for an idea, and it will pervert any idea to wrap around the agenda. Now, what's the purpose of doing such a thing? Well, I would say it's probably for ideological colonization. Um, ultimately, what I mean by that is that I mean that what you when you want to obscure the truth in reality to convince people to do something, um, that may or may not be based upon the truth. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to you're trying to indoctrinate people and you're trying to move them towards a position, but not doing so through the regular course of rational debate and dialogue, which is a good thing. Uh, by the way, uh, debate and dialogue are really, really helpful and healthy things in a prospering society. But for those who want to bypass rational debate, what they do is they do um, what is called ideological colonization, which means under threat of, at least in this case, name calling, you're a bigot, you're a this, you're a that, we, you adopt our idea or we will try to find some way to ostracize you socially. Um, uh, so, so that's what I mean by ideological colonization. So it's a way, it's an attempt to try to force and coerce people to adopt an idea. That's what I mean by that. But ultimately, I think what's really at play underneath the idea of castigating everybody on the right as extremists and everybody on the left as angels is this idea of just simply castigating your opponent. It's, it's a way to discourage your dissenters from entering into the debate because you know that you'll lose. And the flimsy ideas that are so very often held by the left are held together with such a tenuous string of reality that at the slightest push, these things begin to fall down like a house of cards. And so the the leftist, the 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 person who wants to buy into left wing gender ideology, who wants to buy into um, a strong and uh, oppressive government um, to the point of going beyond just strong social safety nets, but wants to um, wants to pretend that it is your moral better and wants to take power into its own hand beyond the. Um, even the mainstream media, uh, the leftism of the mainstream media that wishes to pervert things by opinion rather than informing people. Uh, beyond that is just is just this ideology within the realm of the left that that understands very well and it's framed within critical theory. Uh, although, uh, by the way, and you can see this with people like Horkheimer, who says that you should not even debate your opponents because then you are giving them. Um, the, the consent, you're giving them the favor of actually entertaining their ideas as legitimate. So therefore, what you'll want to do is you'll want to publicly shame people, you'll want to cancel people, you'll want to use things like safe spaces to eliminate any idea that may contradict you whatsoever. By the way, this is the feeling that you get when you walk away from the January 6th committee, is you don't get the impression that these people are actually interested in criminal charges and actually any really criminal wrongdoing because there are no charges being filed. You get the, the, the feeling like if that's not happening, then, then why is it happening? By the way, this could be a DOJ issue, right, where the Department of Justice is investigating and actually calling real witnesses. And when Steve, people like Steve Bannon are actually held in contempt because they refuse to appear before the committee, they're, they're actually going to jail because this is now a criminal matter rather than a political matter. But this is specifically held as a political committee in the way that it has taken place because there is no real criminal wrongdoing that the committee can actually charge Donald Trump with. 
So, uh, suffice to say, this seems to be an attempt merely to castigate your opponents. Now, I want to give you the receipts for that. So, I want to show you just a couple of clips from the January 6th committee. First of all, here's a clip of a clip. Here's a clip of the January 6th committee showing Donald Trump um, doing an unedited version of a video that he did the day after the riots took place. So, here's that. I would like to begin by addressing the heinous attack yesterday. And to those who broke the law, you will pay. You do not represent our movement. You do not represent our country. And if you broke the law, you can't say that. I'm not gonna, you, I already said you will pay. The demonstrators who infiltrated the Capitol have defied the seat of dust. It's defiled, right? See, I can't see it very well. Okay, I'll, I'll do this. I'm going to do this. Let's go. But this election is now over. Congress has certified the results. I don't want to say the election's over. I just want to say Congress has certified the results without saying the election's over, okay? But Congress is certified. Now Congress is Yeah, right. Now Congress is I didn't say over, so let, let me see. Go, go to the paragraph before. Okay? I would like to begin by addressing the heinous attack yesterday. Yesterday is a hard word for me. Just take it out. The heinous attack. Heinous attack ah, good. Take the word yesterday, because it doesn't work with the heinous attack on our country. Say on our country. Want to say that? No, no, no. My only goal was to ensure the integrity of the vote. My only goal was to ensure the integrity of the vote. Now, I found this astounding when I saw this, because rather than to actually prove what the committee wants this video to prove, what it actually does is prove the exact opposite. One, it, it does prove what we already know, that Donald Trump is impetuous and he doesn't like to admit to losing. We already knew that. Um, and and that, um, uh, that politicians are careful about what they say. Okay, all things we already knew. Well, here's the one thing that they brought in as information. Donald Trump, uh, that they brought in as information that they tried to say the opposite of. Donald Trump in that video reproves and condemns what took place on January 6th. So it's hard to, at the same time while saying Donald Trump is approving of what took place on January 6th, watching him right in front of your face, create a video where he condemns what the people did on January 6th. Now, suffice to say, you can also, I'll save you the clip, but I will just tell you what we've heard throughout this January 6th committee is just hearsay after hearsay after hearsay. In other words, we've heard people say, well, I heard somebody say that they thought this might have happened. Or I heard somebody say that they think this is what was in the mind of Donald Trump when this took place. All of these things are inadmissible in an actual court case because, because they're all hearsay. But you can do it in a senatorial hearing or in a committee like this where, where you don't actually have to abide by the laws of American jurisprudence and you can just sit there and get CNN and everybody else to cover these things and say bombshell, bombshell, bombshell. So the point being is this, is that the reason they're doing this not as a Department of Justice investigation, but doing this simply as a committee among politicians is because there was no simple wrongdoing. So there was no criminal negligent wrongdoing that Donald Trump can actually be convicted of. You may not even like his speech, but you have to ask yourself, the speech that he gave, you know, on January 6th, that they say caused those riots. 
You may not like it, but you have to ask yourself, why aren't our politicians, if they're truly concerned about democracy in America, actually taking a step to do something about that? And it is because they can't. Because criminally speaking, there is nothing wrong with what Donald Trump did that day. Now, I know people are going to get emotional and, de and deny that, but the point is is that then, then ask yourself the question, why aren't they filing DOJ charges? Why is this not a DOJ investigation? Um, so... Uh, whatever the answer you come away with, that just make sure it makes sense. But I'm going to give you my answer for that. Because when things happen, I call this the slapping yourself, uh, why are you hitting yourself syndrome? So this is what your your uh, brother or your sister used to do. They would grab your hand and they'd slap you in the face and say, why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? And then you would get mad about that. And they'd say, why are you so mad? Um, so it's this, this idea of kind of stirring the pot and then wondering why the pot is stirred. Well, why are you curious about what happened on January 6th? Is that because you're an insurrectionist? Is that because you're an extremist? And the truth is, is no, we, we, we wonder why you're doing this when there, when there seems to be no rational basis for it. So you're doing something absurd, and then when we question it, you act all innocent. So this happens so much in our, in our present day political climate because I don't know if you've noticed, but more and more they act like children more so than they do adults. But I say all that to say this. So to the point, this seems to me to be happening just simply because not only do they wish to redefine language and wish to take the term extremism um, and and mean it to, to mean whatever they want it to mean, but they mean it to mean this. Extremist is you disagree with me. So ultimately, the whole January 6th committee thing and and the idea of extremism is so much being used as a tool to lob at your opponents a tool to lob at people who disagree with you because you know you know the one thing that you can do is to is to undermine anybody's argument is to is to make the person who's making the argument evil if you can do that then you don't have to take them seriously now, this is something called bulverism, and this is uh, something C.S. Lewis came up with. I don't know why it never really caught on because you don't hear people talk about bulverism very much, but it's a very crucial and important idea. And bulverism is just simply this. It's the idea that you don't have to answer the question if you can bring into question the person who is raising the question. Now, there's so much more to it than that, but, but hopefully that suffices as a definition. So you don't even have to answer the question or bring up a rational basis for your standpoint if you can bring up uh, some reason why the person who is asking the question should be discredited. And so it has nothing to do with proof, has nothing to do with evidence. It merely has to do with castigating your enemies. And that is what is happening with the title of extremism. That is what is happening so often in this January 6th committee. That is not a denial of extremism. It exists. That is not a denial of extremism on the right, or even that what happened on January 6th was an example of extremism. It's though All those things are true. Those guys who went into the Capitol on January 6th, they were extremists. But then why not just stick to filing charges against these people for their extreme actions? Why go through the trouble of a fiasco of this big January 6th committee? Well, I think we know the answer to that. It's probably twofold. It's to keep Donald Trump from running again or to discredit him as much as possible. So in the chance that he runs again, the deep state can keep him out. Well, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. That the Democrats can keep him out of office because they're threatened by him. 
or maybe they just don't like him genuinely and want to keep him out. I'll be the first to admit, I hope he doesn't run again. He is impetuous and he doesn't like losing. And I don't want somebody running for office just simply because they're impetuous and they don't like losing. All right. But but the second thing is is this as well. This is an attempt to try to paint the picture that the GOP is the party of extremism, which, of course, we know this not to be the truth. Are there extremists on in the GOP? Perhaps. Are there extremists on the left? Perhaps. And so I, I can't help but wonder if this is just merely a way to try to paint the GOP as the party of extremism in the United States so that the Democratic Party can use what it, the January 6th committee merely as a tool for gaining political power. And this is where I just have to say this. Listen, you may hate Donald Trump. You may hate the GOP, but do not be manipulated by the elitist and the um, and your social betters or those that think they're your social betters. Think for yourself. Listen, I've said it on the show so many times that I hope it doesn't need to be repeated. I hope it's gotten through, but... But Aldous Huxley said this, and he's quoting somebody else, but he said, uh, especially in light of his story, I think it's important to quote him. He said that you can do a lot with bayonets, but you can't make people sit on them. In other words, you can, you can manipulate people with force, but you can only manipulate them with force for a small period of time because people don't like discomfort. So what you need to do is you need to find a way to manipulate people that they will embrace, that won't be so uncomfortable for them. They're so pacified that they just forget about the cares of this world. That's one way to do it. But another way to do it is this, is to blackmail and extort people um, and into labeling them this if they stand for something that you don't like so that those people won't resist you. you. You label them as something aberrant and something evil so that they will not resist you because most people want to keep their public image intact. If I'm right about my definition that the agenda here is the problem and not necessarily even the conclusion or to put it another way, the problem here is that we are not willing for rational discovery to lead us to the truth, but we want a, we have a point and we want to prove that point in everything that we do. If, if that's the real problem, as I deduce that it is, then, then here's what we need. We need a return to truth. We need a return to the, the existence of right and wrong and morality. And yes, very often on this show, I call people, um, or at least I, 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 decry the immorality of our present generation. But hear me on this. What I mean when I say that is not that you have to live your life like me, but what I am saying is, is that if we don't understand what is true, then we cannot have a conversation on what, what is true anymore. If we, don't have a, if we can't understand what is right and what is wrong, then, then who am I to say anything? That whole idea comes from the realm of postmodernism and people like Horkheimer and, and, and others in the school of critical theory. And it's an extortion we don't need to listen to. What we need more than anything is we need to say, I want the truth rather than to be right. Th this is what it means to truly be good, to want the truth rather than to be proven right. And we're never going to get there until we desire as a society what is true once again. And I know I hear the leftist in the back of my head saying, well, what is truth? Which is such a snide thing to say. It should be self-evident without me having to explain it. But I'll just put it to you this way. That which corresponds to reality and coheres with reason. See, do we want reason? Do we want reality? 
or do we want to impose our own utopianistic fantasy ideology upon the world until we can make the world the way we think it should be? Or do we want the kind of common sense that corresponds to reality? This is why common sense is dying in our age, because we no longer care about the truth. That which coheres to reality and corresponds, um, co co coheres with reason and corresponds to reality. Um, that is what truth is about. And that's what we need to be that's what we need to value more than anything else outside of political gain, outside of political gamesmanship, outside of things like the January 6th committee, or outside of things like castigating our opponents with name calling so that we don't actually have to rationally deal with their arguments. Outside of all that is a group of people that I still believe can make up the mainstream and does make up the mainstream, is a group of people who cares about the truth who cares about reason, who cares about morality, and who wants this world to be a better place. And if you truly want it to be a better place, then I have an encouragement for you. Like, share, and subscribe, but more importantly, become as informed as you possibly can on a myriad of different issues. Do not stick your head in the sand on any issue. Now, you can't be an expert on everything, but you can try to learn one new thing each day. If you hold yourself to that standard, then perhaps whenever you hear lies, your knowledge will, will tell you better. And it can be a defense against the tyranny of those who wish to manipulate the uninformed with false information. So be as informed as you possibly can. And for crying out loud, don't forget to think for yourself. Thanks so much for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We'll catch you next time. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reed Uberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends.